Culture in the Craft podcast brings you the awards season 2021 conversation. It's been a bit different this year, but we wanted to cover relevance, recognition, plus also the power play between those who say what is or is not worthy of your attention that goes in a lot of directions. Hope you enjoy it. This is Culture in the Craft podcast. Culture in the Craft is a podcast talks about from VFX to XR, games creation to animation and everything between and beyond. We are on at culturexcraft, hashtag culturexcraft. Check us out on any of the relevant players. I'm joined by Kenny, Anne and myself, Floor today as we talk about awards season. Introduce yourselves. I'm Kenny. I was uh, talking about this <laughs> Almost feels like yesterday, but uh, I'm Kenny. I'm a motion designer. Uh, I recently freelance. I've worked with a few big studios like The Mill. Recently done some work with BBC and stuff like that. So that's pretty much my background. I am Anne. I am a visual effects producer. I have, like Kenny, recently started working for myself in the last year. I actually sort of quit in the middle of the pandemic because who doesn't? Um, and I've been sort of in creative media for the last 12 years in advertising, full dome, theme park, and experiential design, and then eventually going into visual effects properly. And I've done that full-time work for big studios, but now I am sort of working for myself in partnership with studios, um, trying to tell their stories. Thanks both. That's really cool. Um, I think there's definitely a conversation to be had at some point around the shifts and the evolution of who we are post-pandemic because of what happened with COVID-19 and everything that shifted around it. But we're not here to discuss that. We're here to discuss the awards season. Let's start on the most poignant key thing, the diversity, the representation, how it's evolved. We've had a pandemic in 2020, um, pre-pandemic, and Oscar So Why as the Me Too movement as well. Let's speak on it. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely been an evolution and of just how, you know, all of these big awards are seen um, from the Oscars. I mean, there's, you know, you guys obviously have seen the, the drama with the Golden Globes this year as well. But I think all of that has been bubbling under for a few years now. And it felt like it would come up during the season of awards and then it would just die down and go back to how it was. And then obviously the Me Too movement started and I think that kind of blew up a lot of things because all of a sudden it wasn't something that you could just ignore. Like this is happening. This has happened for decades. And then the stories were coming out and you're like, no, but that happened to me too. You're right. And I think that's kind of starting to happen in the awards as well. So it's, um, the shift, I think, started years ago, but I think now, similar to the Me Too movement, now, like, you just can't ignore it anymore. Ignoring it would be too costly to the industry, I think. The shift has been happening for quite some time, but I think it's been almost like a very, I would say it's moving somewhat glacial at a glacial pace it feels like you can see what's out in the distance but nobody's going to do anything up until the point where it becomes a real 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 big problem so you can see that there's there are films nominated um, and uh, there's more of a light sh- like shone on certain types of of film and cinema and 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 creative works like even seeing uh, the last Oscars I think it was the last Oscars where Parasite won and then now you can see that that's now opening a window for 
more film from parts of Asia to come in and hopefully shining a light on it. But it does feel like it's like, hey, we've got this one token thing as if there aren't multiple types of films that are being made all over the world that could stand up to that. Um, so it's, it's interesting to see what the results are going to be. Um, but even, I mean, looking at the nomination, it's, it's cool. You can see that there's some change happening, but it does feel like it's quite, it's moving at quite a slow pace. And it might take a couple of uh, Oscar uh, ceremonies before before we uh, see like the full scope of what they're trying to go. And you talked about the the Golden Globes. Can you just um, just in case any listeners weren't aware of the, the scandal you were talking about, do you want to just summarise what happened there? Yeah, it was the nom- nominations came out, and if anyone has not seen "I May Destroy You" by Michaela Cole, please do yourself a favor and go and watch it. But it was sort of just sidelined, you know, completely. And it's like that was the best show of last year, not just by my standards, but by a lot of other people around the world. And it turns out that on the board at the Golden Globes, um, out of what, I think 87, I, I forget the number 87 or 83, but there, there's no person of color on that board. And so it's like, what are they looking at and who is representing us? And, and, you know, like we were, I was saying earlier, who gets to make the decision on what is good TV or a good movie? And so when that representation is not there, it's very easy, you know, either covertly or overtly, but it's very easy to just kind of say, well, that's not really important. I, I think this should, you know, this deserves the award or this deserves to be nominated. And when certain things don't get nominated, they don't get the limelight and they don't get the recognition. And then they don't get the sort of buy-in from like future studios and future execs to say, oh, I want to work with that person because they think that that show was not good enough, but it was. It just was not, you know, put on the list according to a certain group of people, quote unquote, um, to be recognized. And it's really something that I was seeing in the research that I was doing around the impact of getting recognition from any awards, whether it be across from games right through to film, TV, music, that there is a level of, as you said, a spotlight gets put on an individual or a piece of work and that helps bring it to a broader audience which is in turn revenue it's money it's cash for the creator for the team behind it and in terms of a level of importance that does strike as something that is critical because in order to sustain yourself within your career and your passion and your pursuits you do need that profit you do need that money to be able to continue doing what you're doing to bring the good work to the people but that doesn't just come from fresh air so maybe I was naive to it but I was I was quite astounded by how much um a story that is picked up from someone winning an award um gets translated across so many areas and the metrics around how that impacts any future success and the chances to continue um on their journey has has any of you or have any of you seen any examples of that or have you got any opinions around like the importance of recognition? I mean, I'll speak on 
you know, just our sort of visual effects industry to start with, the recognition matters, not just on a personal level, you know, every everybody wants to be validated, right? Whether that's just personally in being the person that you are helping someone out or, or doing a good job, the validation matters because as much as the validation should come from yourself, first of all, when other people see and recognize that you are brilliant, it just gives you that extra spring in your step to be even more brilliant, not just for yourself, but for the people that are coming after you and for the people that you're working with as well. And so, you know, in our industry, you know, you, if you, if you go back to the Emmys or, you know, the Oscars for like film, for example, or the VS, and if you go back through some of the nominations and some of the awards, you will probably see the same VFX supervisor or the same, um, you know, anim soup or, or, or sometimes VFX producer, you know, win that award several times over a number of years because once that recognition happens and it's like, oh, that person won the Emmy for so-and-so show or they won the Oscar for so-and-so show, directors want to work with them again. Um, companies will come after them and, and want to, you know, hire them to, to work on their show. Studios will be like, oh, I want that person who, you know, did that show that won the Emmy. I want that person on my show. And so that's not just recognition from like big studios and big directors and things, but it's also for artists that are kind of like looking up to you and like that supervisor, I want to, I want to work on their show. You know, they won the Oscar for this. They won the Emmy for this. Um, and just for you personally, it's like I worked or, you know, if, if somebody works, you know, a year and a half, two years on a show. And at the end of that, that ends up with, with a recognized award and the work, you know, it's like for all the, the sweat and the tears and the hours that I put in that was recognized. You know, that's something to be proud of. Definitely. So personally, it's, it's like validation that you are excellent at your job. Um, but it's also just, you know, an example for others that are coming after us, that are looking up to us, that are, you know, wanting to succeed in the industry. It is an opportunity for them to say, well, you know, I can win awards too. You know, I can, I can definitely, you know, work on Emmy award winning shows as well. You know, so I think it, it's both ways. It's not just for the individual person. It is an example for people coming after us, but it's also a spotlight on how, how good the industry is. And then, you know, how, how we can get buy-in and, and recognition and approval from, from the people that, that hold the coins at the end of the day. I mean, I, I agree with Anne. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of torn on this because it's like, I, I agree with that. And I agree with the fact that, um, uh, it, it offers recognition and, and that helps you move forward and, create and produce better work and work with better talent and and progress forward but i think there does tend to be this kind of i think specifically for maybe for awards in a certain caliber um there does seem to be a, a specific almost like a, a gated entry into it so it's it's almost like you have to already have have been that good but then have to just wait for someone to kind of pick you up. And maybe that's, maybe that's kind of where, yeah, recognition is really good because it kind of gets those people who are always already really good and kind of shine a light on them. But at the same time, as we were saying before, who, who's gatekeeping that? Who's saying, you know, let's look at these people who, who have never been nominated before, who have never been looked at before, 
this is the first film, this is the first foray into, into, into applying to anything. Um, some people could see that as, uh, okay, well, you know, what's the background? Where are they from? Well, this isn't very interesting, but they might take someone else who's won three awards over that and say, oh, yeah, they need more recognition. I think they should get more recognition um, because they're already producing that stuff. They've already got a leg up. So it's a little bit hard for me to 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 juggle the two and kind of see them as I guess it's it's hard to say whether I would say they're not beneficial. Yeah, it's beneficial in some ways. I think specifically maybe for motion and, and animation, a lot of the smaller um, awards, uh, they I feel like, feel like they feel uh, like a bigger deal to me than some of the the bigger ones because there's less of that that gatekeeper mentality there's less of the red tape stuff behind it um and you know that you know if you send a piece of your work to a small a smaller uh a small awards or uh festival you know that it's going to be usually looked at by people who are kind of local to the area or not that far afield um so they might understand you know the university you went to, or the work that you're doing, based on the surroundings you're working on. Uh, you're working with your your piece has stuff to do with your your local surroundings, or the history of the place you're working, or any of or any of that stuff. But um, it's hard for me to say. It's hard for me to outright say a hundred, a hundred and ten percent that the recognition is always going to be. I guess it's always going to be guaranteed. I think that's maybe what I'm trying to get at. I totally agree with you as well. And as much as I, as much as I said, you know, the awards give you, you know, that validation and it's sort of an example for people coming after you. Um, that gatekeeping, like you said, and the reason why I said, you know, if you go back to a lot of the awards, you'll kind of see the same people because that's exactly what's happening. The gatekeeping is saying those people are the people are the chosen ones and those are the people that should be recognized continuously. But like you said, there are some, amazing and brilliant you know individuals and shows that get looked over because they just they just don't even get to the gate right because the gatekeepers who are deciding who gets into that gate are just not seeing those shows for whatever reason and i think when we're talking about the award season across the board that's kind of what's happening what is happening is it's kind of just like the same cycle and the same um sort of method of 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 choosing, you know, who who gets to to go into the gate is the same thing that happens all the time. And I think we need to start looking at awards now with a with a wider lens. It's not just, you know, the same type of shows and the same type of people that should be considered for these awards. The award season should be open to everyone. Everyone deserves an award, right? And, you know, it, I think at some point we'll talk about, are these awards even still, um, relevant? They are because, you know, the, the industry that we work in recognizes these things, but it needs to be a level playing field for everyone. So if we look at all of the boards on all of, of the different awards, you know, is there diversity in those, um, on those boards and not just in terms of industry sector? But just in terms of, you know, ethnicity, because there's certain type of shows that just won't get seen because it's maybe not someone's cup of tea. But is that show a good show and does that meet all the criteria and is it good storytelling? Yes, most likely. 
but it just won't get chosen. So I totally agree with you um, that the gatekeeping is also quite a barrier to, you know, who gets chosen for those award ceremonies. Totally. You were saying, Anne, about the VES, the Visual Effects Society Awards, that there comes to be these poster people who represent the ideal and fit into a certain role in awards, the bigger awards, there's so much that goes on in terms of lobbying that the essence is a lot of it is around how much money you can afford to buy out the um, adulation of the potential people that are making votes. So it's it's really so interesting and it's intriguing to see how in order to give everyone a chance, there has to be that fairness of system. And what sprung to my mind, even though it's tangential, is the evolution of the music industry. So the music industry, you're selling um, records, you're selling CDs, and then you move to streaming. And what happens is the amount of physical product you are shifting is being blended with the amount of listens or streams you are getting across um, all the service providers and that is blended together to kind of quantify how um, successful you are that's the metric that is used now you've got this many physical um, buys this spend in the market and then the streaming the popular vote is coming through and it's combined and I wonder if we talk about how to level like in your both of your perspectives, leveling the playing field. I think that's definitely something to explore. But I think Kenny said something earlier um, when we started this podcast about things moving at a glacial pace. And I think that, you know, removing the gatekeepers is not something that's going to happen, you know, in the next year, two years, probably five years. I think the gatekeepers are not a bad thing. It's not like gatekeepers are bad, um, but maybe they shouldn't really be called gatekeepers, you know? It's a collective. It's a collective of like minds, creatives, directors, producers, executives, artists. It is a collective that is coming together to sort of speak on what is the best story here. This deserves to to be recognized as a good story. This deserves to be recognized as a good album. This deserves to be recognized as a good animated feature. And so gatekeeping equates to some kind of power, and that's what's been happening. And so maybe we need to shift that language, first of all, to say, no, this is not really about gatekeeping. This is like a collective. that is coming together for sort of greater progression of the industry and you know whatever sector that is i think maybe sometimes the language really gives too much power to to these awards individuals and then that already is like a step backwards for us yeah it's it's really hard because it's 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 almost like removing the word is is not even removing the word, let's say rephrasing, repurposing. It depends on the thought processes of the people who are in those positions to make the decisions. So 
it only feels like gatekeeping when people are saying, well, no, you can't do this. You can't do this. So you're not this type. You're not, you're not at this caliber yet. Try again sometime or go somewhere else. That feels like gatekeeping. But if someone's coming with a more, a broader scope and they're saying, Hey, look, this is what we're looking for. But, and, you know, we're trying to work with what, you know, we're trying to be considerate of all, um, of all scopes, of all things, but unfortunately, your, yours is not going to fit into this for this time. Like, if they are more receptive of all that stuff, then it doesn't feel like gatekeeping. But oftentimes, I think maybe it's a problem with the whole system is that you often don't hear that, you don't hear the feedback, you don't hear all the extra stuff that leads into reasons of why they haven't picked you. You just see that you haven't been picked, or you realise you haven't been put forward for. Uh, a certain category or for an award or shortlisted or, or anything like that. Your example of the music industry. The music industry is in a kind of in a quagmire at the moment because it's kind of run by like three big heads. And if you cross any of them, you have to just do it on your own. That's why a lot of artists are now going, I'm doing independently. I'm not signing in with anyone. I'm going to do my own streams. I'm going to put out my own music when I want to. And let the market decide. If they like my music, then they will buy it and they will stream it. And then that will give me more leverage. Um, I can't remember the name of the artist, but one artist did this in order to get leverage to get a deal. But I think that's kind of, and I think the recognition from in the music industry, it usually comes from the fans like it. They're going to purchase it. They're going to buy your product and then you can continue to produce more. Um, and obviously improve over time. It's, it's, it's hard to see that on the other side of the fence with, with, uh, the creative industry. Um, because I guess it's like you'd, you'd have to fund your own film, have to, uh, fund the distribution and then just hope people turn up. You'd have to do your own promotion for it as well. Um, and I think that's a lot more of a task than if you were like a, a musician, you bring your own bedroom music and just released it out there. That's done. Don't to worry about it. You can put it on streaming platforms, I think, for free. I guess it's like the the balance between trying to work out how to best sell your product, get it seen by a number of people outside of the outside of like the award ceremony process or the, or the run up to an award. I guess it's, I'm trying to find the balance of where those match up. It's tough, isn't it? It's really tough. We've got so much that is going unseen and unheard that's incredible when you think of all these independent studios these independent games companies as well i'm exploring the extended reality space the xr space and there's so much happening there at grassroots level at community level and you only get to discover these things if you are interested and you pursue things without waiting for these um voices of opinion to say this is the thing to go and watch and be part of and experience so i totally get how this conversation is a tricky one but there i suppose there are some fundamentals that we all want and is there anything you've seen that you would want to put on people's radar gris g-r-i-s gris it's um it's really cool i uh it's there's 
no um, no dialogue. It's all sound, uh, noise, music, and it's it's just so nice to look at. It's like an illustrator's pen drawings if you were to put them to life and you could move the character. Um, and and there is a backstory to it as well, but you don't really know until the very 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 end what it's all about. But it's it's just really enjoyable to look at. It's got the similar vibe to like if anyone's played like the I think that game company's Flower and Flow. It's got that kind of you just play it and you're not really thinking too much and the sound and stuff really they're really interlinked to what you're working what you're what you're doing. Just if you're like you know just thinking what's a really out there not typical thing to bit of medium to to, to engage with and yeah i'd say that cool thanks Anne. um i mean i know i said it at the start of the podcast but um i made this story it was one of the best things i watched in the last year it is a it's a heavy story but told with such truth and and comedy at times and michaela cole is just an incredibly brilliant and beautiful woman that I think everyone should really, you know, it's based on her personal experience. And yeah, it's just, it was just beautiful, beautiful storytelling. So I think if you haven't watched that, I would recommend you put it on, I think it's 10 episodes, I think, or 12 episodes. It's quite long, but it's so worth it. So I would say, you know, I don't watch a lot, lot of TV. I pick the type of shows that I watch, much as I'm in the industry, but Michaela Cole's I May Destroy You, I would recommend it again and again and again. Over at Kigali, if you check out the anthology work that they're doing with the comic books, it's um, African-centered stories within the comic um, universe and storytelling. Just really cool, really fresh, very much in that domain and just getting people to see a different life in terms of comics and um, that genre. And it's really cool. Worth checking out Kigali Media. Um, I think Kenny went first last time. And do you want to go first yeah. with sharing now that you are independent? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Obviously, I'm working on something that I can't talk about at the minute. But I think, you know, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about why I decided to work for myself. In essence, you know, this, I started thinking about this back in sort of 2019 and just started connecting and asking questions about, you know, why I wanted to do this because it wasn't really about just working for myself, but it was about transitioning to kind of being part of spaces as well as stories that I want to help bring to life. And so not just sort of freedom to tell my own stories. I know I do outside of work, I do a lot of writing you know, almost on a daily basis, there's a certain level of freedom that you have when you step back from the sort of nine to five industry and say, no, this is, this is where I want to go. And these are the people I want to work with. And you can do that when you get to certain, you know, I was quite senior um, when I was working at DNEG. And so I could, I could have picked the type of things I wanted to work on, but also with everything I think that happened as well last year, um, I just realized that, you know, there was no more, there's no need to wait any longer. It was time for me to go. And so, and it's funny that even when I said I was leaving, it felt like everyone had predicted where I was going to go and what I was going to do. And I was just like, well, no, I'm just, first of all, I'm going to take a break from the entire industry. And I think Lorna, we spoke about this because, you know, in the midst of pandemic and, and just not seeing my family, I was able to at least see my brother. So I took that time off and just started connecting with people and 
you know, in a, in a weird, just fortunate turn of events, I got connected with a great producer and I, and I'm working on a show now that is the most inclusive show I've ever worked on in my career, which is kind of weird. You know, I'm working with the most, the highest volume of women I've worked with in a single show. And these are quite senior people. And I, and, and I just have a level of freedom that is just really, it's kind of, it's encouraging, it's empowering, and it's just also relaxing in a way, because it's like, I'm here to help tell the story and everybody wants me here to tell the story. Do you know what I mean? You're not just pushing pixels on a screen and trying to deliver something. It's not just a conveyor belt and a transaction at the end of the day. And I think maybe that's why I used that word collective earlier on. Like the, I'm part of something now where it's like, I can see this starting to flesh out. And this is the type of story that I want to tell as well. And so going independent for me was about, I want to be able to really influence myself and empower myself to be in the spaces that I want to be in, not because I want to get a check at the end of the day, not because of the recognition, not because of the awards, but because this story and this is important for me. And these are the spaces that I need to be in, in order to grow, in order to be exposed, in order to be free, you know? And so I think um, it was the best time for me to do it. I'm currently loving it. Yeah, I can't wait to see what I do, to be honest. I'm kind of, I'm kind of excited for myself in a way, which is kind of a good place to be. As much as they're starting to get busy and all of that, I'm really kind of also, and I'm also proud of myself, you know? Like I said, I do a lot of writing and I do write and I tell myself, I'm really proud of you. You know, I'm proud of how far I've come and the decisions I've made in the midst of like, you know, sometimes being fearful of like, what am I doing? But I'm like, that inside um, beacon, I call it my lighthouse, that is inside of me that keeps showing me the way, never fails me and never lies to me. And so I'm just like really excited for where I'm going. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's where I'm at. Incredible. And that's incredible. Really <laughs> excited and happy for you to hear that. Do you have any socials that you converse with people with or just keep it low-key? So I'm on, well, you can find me on LinkedIn and Akande. Um, and then I'm also on, I'm not on Facebook, but I'm on Instagram at Unini Bile, which is my Nigerian name. So it is U-N-I-N-I-B-I-L-E underscore. And I'm also the same um, on Twitter as well. I'm not as active on Twitter as I've been. Um, and I've not, I've not really been on, active on Instagram. I'm not really active on social media, to be quite honest. So LinkedIn or emails are the best way to get in touch with me. But those are my socials if anyone wants to reach out. Cool stuff. Kenny. When you said uh, being part of a, like a group that's like a collective and you're all striving for like a better not just pushing pixels oh oh that touched my heart a little bit <laughs> um so uh yeah I, I went freelance um at the start of 2020 which was a, a wild wild ride um because it kind of started off really well and then kind of went a little bit downhill but then it's all kind of brought back up again um just out of sheer perseverance and, and patience my reason for going freelance was I found that I was having to juggle too many things around just the stationary work environment. And so at that time, I was thinking about trying to do 
workshops and do talks with schools and stuff like that and that just was not working with my my time frame at that at the position I was in so since then I've been able to do a few talks a few workshops I've been able to work on my own stuff uh, which has been really great because I've been learning a lot a, a ton now as well as all my side stuff but yeah it's been really it's been a really good creative eye-opening year for me um I mean, despite obviously the circumstances of the, what the world is going through, I would say it's been overall positive for me creatively. Um, so I've been able to kind of explore different things that I've not had the time to do or it time to explore and just new clients as well. So just random clients that have seen my work and said, hey, are you interested in work, doing some work? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm totally fine. Do you want to do something really weird and experimental? Totally. I'm down for that too. So it's, it's, been, um, it's been really fun just exploring that stuff and my socials you can find me on instagram on uh, kenny's underscore gfx so it's kenny's underscore gfx and that's where i'm putting all my all the stuff that i think is really <laughs> all, all my work that i think is good uh, I'm, I'm getting into doing like loopable gifts i won't touch on nfts because that still confuses me to some degree but yeah that's where i'm putting a lot of my stuff on there and uh, yeah, it's going to be it's like a mixture of animation and uh, illustration stuff. Thank you both so much. Um, we're on hashtag CultureXCraft and at CultureXCraft. Um, but like you, Anne, the social attention has not been that strong as of late. But of course, we thank everyone who gets in touch with us and we will try to get back to you, have those conversations, look at processing any requests and of course, conversations that people are interested in it's funny Kenny you talk about NFTs and non-fungible tokens it feels like last year and into this year pretty much nine out of ten conversations all lead to NFTs and they always yeah I've been had around that and 